check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Nick. On this episode, we'll look back at the dominant DePaul victory and the disappointing loss against Marquette before we look ahead to a very important week against Providence and Seton Hall. Nick, how's it going? I'm doing all right. Uh, I wish we'd be Marquette, but I really wish we even showed up in the second half of Marquette, but I'm doing <laughs> yeah. all right. I mean, we're right there, uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, big weekend, Super Bowl weekend. Obviously, a disappointing outcome for me and you. I know we were both rooting against the Chiefs there. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, as a Chargers fan, understandable. Um, I just am tired of the Chiefs. And, you know, I, I really thought the 49ers were going to do it there for a minute. Uh, and then they blew it. I mean, taking the taking the ball to start over time, I think, was a mistake. Yeah. And I think the new rules uh, may have confused them a bit. Certainly, now, from things that have come out, the team certainly didn't realize yeah, the, what the full extent of the rules were, yeah. which is not good. Not a, not a good look for Kyle Shanahan, to be completely honest. No, yeah, you got to know all the rules of the, of the Super Bowl. I mean, you can't you can't not know that it's a job. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, you hear the, the, a lot of the Chiefs were like, yeah, we practiced for two weeks. We knew what we were going to do, blah, blah, blah. And these guys were like, well, yeah, we didn't realize that when if we scored, it didn't end the game. It was like, oh, well, we probably should have learned that beforehand. Uh, since these rules came out, you know, at the beginning of the season, so yeah, rough one for sure. Very rough one. I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very not happy now that the the Chiefs have three. You, they, they're starting to call themselves a dynasty. Yeah, they're comparing themselves to the you. Patriots. It's awful. It's awful for me. My buddy's a, a Chiefs fan. It's just, just a bad time for for me. It is quite unfortunate, but hey, it's the end of the season. We're heading into a new year, I guess. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully a new champion for sure, because seeing a three P would really suck. Hopefully they don't. Anyway, even, hopefully they don't even win the AFC West. Hopefully my Chargers <laughs> your, and Jim Harbaugh, boys. baby. Hopefully we That's come it. through. I had to do a shout out to Nickelodeon. That was a that was fun uh, watching a little oh, bit of the yeah. game on, on Nickelodeon. That was that was cool having SpongeBob and Patrick do the uh, the they didn't do the full color commentary and stuff, but they they were definitely oh they did commentary. They just didn't do the game itself, but yeah. watching. Uh, yeah, you know, watching some of their things, some of the clips and stuff is really funny. Having Dora out uh, there doing the rules and everything. Yeah, it was exactly. cool seeing all the clips after the fact. Don't get me wrong, I didn't watch it on that one. Part part of me right, wanted to, yeah, but yeah. it was cool seeing the clips. Uh, yeah, no, for sure, cool to see the clips and cool. Uh, I always thought it was a cool concept when they talked about doing it. So, anyway, uh, my question for you this week—it's a lonely question. It's just you. Uh, we got a lot of snow coming in the region. Uh, obviously, the game almost got moved. They're, they're talking about moving the game. I don't believe it's going to get moved. But, uh, you know, with a lot of snow, I look back and are, you know, having lots of fun when we were kids. What was your favorite activity to do in the snow on a snow day as a kid? I think my favorite thing was probably sledding on our hill. Uh, nice, with, me too. I, I'm going to say sledding too. Yeah. So where we live, we have a nice. It's 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 a sizable hill. It's it's a pretty steep hill, <laughs> and it's it, a good hill when you're a kid. It's a good like, hill. As we got older, we realized the hill was not that big. But when we were kids, it was a big hill. Yeah, it's a solid, and and you get you got speed. And there also used to be uh, trees, so we may, had like uh-huh. there was like three trees. So there was almost like three different runs where you tried to like sneak past the tree. Uh, yeah. Every time it snowed, we were just there. And you hit the tree a few times. Every once in a while, you hit, after we hit a tree, hit the tree a lot of times. <laughs> uh, it was good though. That, it was a, it was a great. I was saying sliding too. It's like, it's the great. We had that great hill, and I think that's what made it so much fun for us because we didn't have to go. We just went on the side of our house. Yeah, uh, we did take you know every once in a while we went a few other places where there were some nice hills. Yeah, like the school by us. You know, at a the solid school hill. by us and 
whatever. But uh, yeah, no, I remember sledding too. I think it was bad. Plus, snowdies are the best because you know it was the first time when you were a kid where you were really kind of like off. I mean, I know you had summer, which is a longer period of time where you knew you didn't have anything. But yeah, but snow days were kind of unplanned, and I think that's what made them so special. They're like so. spur of the moment. They're so special. Nowadays, it, yeah. Nowadays, they don't even have them all the time necessarily. A lot less. Yeah, now, now they're talking about going remote, remote and stuff. That's what uh, yeah. Eric Adams say that in an interview today because apparently, like, as as we were talking about, we're supposed to get a lot of snow. So he shut down the thing. He said everybody's going to go remote for the thing, which is yeah, that's, that's terrible as a kid, right? That's that was one of the coolest right. things watching. New Jersey still cancel school. Well, a lot of New good. Jersey schools still cancel. Well, so. that's good. That's good. But yeah, watching your school come up on the on the TV and stuff. Yeah, there's nothing like that, man. Now they don't. I don't even know how they do it anymore. Actually, sure actually at one point we had text messages. It's gotta be text messages. At one point we had the the phone chain where you would call the night yeah, before. You had to call the next person. Or the, like the person the person would call you and then you had the next person you were supposed to call. I remember that. That was kind of funny. Uh, I assume now it's text message. It's gotta be or email, but probably text message. Yeah. All right. Well, it'll be fun. Hopefully, uh, those of you who, you know, stay safe in the snow, uh, and hopefully listen to us. Take some time in the snow day if you're lucky enough to have one. If not, uh, avoid the travel. Fortunately, the game's in Providence, so you don't have to trek out to Madison Square Garden or to Queens uh, for the game. You can watch it from the comfort of your home in what is probably going to be a very snowy, uh, snowy day. Anyway, let's get into some St. John's basketball. The week started off nice last week. You know, can't have much more of an exciting start than we had. 85-57 to 57 victory against DePaul. Now, obviously, DePaul uh, is abysmal. Uh, they are one of the worst teams in college basketball Certainly the worst power six team in college basketball. Three and twenty on the season. Uh, o and twelve still in con- in O and twelve still in conference. This game was everything we wanted it to be after the rough Xavier and UConn losses. You know, we were we were looking for a bounce back game and I, I think see, I, I think you'll probably agree with me. I walked into this game really just holding my breath saying, Dear God, don't lose to DePaul. Right? Like yeah. And now, now listen, this is, again, we talked all all non-conference season about how we, we hadn't lost the game we weren't supposed to lose, right? And this team, with the exception of Michigan, who is now falling off, but at the time, you know, we didn't know that. Right. So this was kind of that same game, but I thought, you know, you never know, right? In-conference is a little different, but we, we did, we got the job done, and we got the job done in big fashion. It was, you know, Nick, I, I don't... I tried to take a look and say, hey, what did we not do well here? <laughs> uh, and what I could come up with was this. We were only up by nine points at halftime. That was the only negative thing I think I could take away from the DePaul win. Uh, yeah, I would say that. The only other thing I would say was that it was at UBS Arena and our fans didn't show up very well. That's also because we were playing DePaul. Uh, right, yeah. But other than that... Uh, I mean, I think we were we were a little sloppy at points, um, but that again we were playing DePaul, so it didn't seem as bad. But at the same time, like we were still a little bit sloppy. We had nine turnovers, which wasn't isn't a ton, but it's they weren't good turnovers, and there were some miscommunications Fair. here and there. So outside of that, though, we shot well. We shot we shot a million three pointers. We shot forty three. <laughs> we did. Out of uh, we were fifteen of forty, which was great, just incredible. Uh, 37% from three, uh, which is a great number for us. 42% from the field. Yeah. Uh, even though we did have nine turnovers, we were still plus 10 on the turnover margin, 
which is incredible. 80% from the free throw line. I mean, the numbers are ridiculous. We had 11 players score in this game, which is just fantastic. Uh, three players in double digits, Jenkins, Dingle, and Soriano. I, I, again, this is a complete win. Now, again, I, you don't want to harp on it too much because DePaul is so bad, right? Yeah. Uh, that this is a game we were supposed to win. It's kind of you should check the box. Okay, we didn't blow it. Uh, and that's all you really get here. And, you know, I, I, not to beat a dead horse, but when you win the games you're supposed to win, uh, it, it does put you in a in a better place for the season, right? Coming into out of the non-conference, we had won all the games we really should have won, with the exception of Boston College and Michigan. Uh, but now in the conference season is where it starts to be toss-up games. And we haven't done too well in the toss-up games, but this was kind of us getting back to, okay, we're going to win the games we're supposed to win and then hope the other wins are enough. So fortunately we get to see DePaul one more time and we're also going to see Georgetown having an awful season twice. So looking like hopefully three more wins at least on our schedule, which should bump our numbers up a bit. Georgetown, by the way, one and 11 coming into the week in the conference. So not much better than DePaul. The one win is against DePaul. So <laughs> just to keep in mind, they're only eight and 15 on the year. Uh, Ed Cooley certainly walked into a, a real shitstorm, and he didn't really correct the ship no. so much. No, he did uh, not. But anyway. He's not doing as bad as DePaul. But by the not way, as we, bad as DePaul. Coming back to, he has no coach, but coming back to our game against DePaul. Coming back to our game against DePaul, we just, from the, the base, basically, I mean, at the beginning of the game, we kind of let him linger for a little bit in the first half. Um, but after that, we just, I mean, in the second half, we just blew him away, and we were just a better team. I mean, even in the first half, we handled them the whole time. We were just a better team on this one. But I, one stat I thought was very interesting is that they had 19 turnovers and they only made 18 field goals. Yeah, that's More a great turnovers point. than field goals. This is an impressive yeah. feat I don't know if I've ever seen before. That is that is very, very bad, actually. I mean, that's, that now you, now you look at those numbers, that's, yeah, that's that's a shocking stat. Um, but, hey, they're, they're owing – 12 in conference and three and 20 for a reason, right? So we walked away with a win. Uh, it turned us to being 14 and nine following that game, six and six in conference, uh, which moved us on to our second game of the week against Marquette. Uh, unfortunately, that game, not as positive as a result. Uh, we dropped that game 86 to 75, bringing us to 14 and 10, six and seven in the conference. Uh, this was a frustrating one. You know, this is a game where we had a 15-point lead. And this is a game in the second half where we just fell apart, just didn't show up. They came out, they started with two threes to start the second half, and seemingly from there just took control, and we were unable to keep up. Now, listen, I know they're the number 17 in the country. It's in Marquette. But at the same time, if this team is going to be a tournament team, if this team is going to be a team that competes, this is a team that needs to not score 28 points in the second half. Yeah. It needs to be a team that is able to keep up with these guys. Uh, and they just didn't show that. Listen, you're going to look, listen to these numbers and you're going to say, how did we not win this game? Right? 42% from the field, 37% from three. Now 60% from the free throw line, but we we're only three of five. Okay. So that's not, you know, that's not a huge sample yeah. size. So it's, it's not, you know, 60% when you're shooting 24 is, is a bad one. When you're only shooting five, shooting three or five from the free throw line is not terrible. Uh, you, I mean, you look, we out-rebounded them, right? We, we had a plus one turnover margin. So you, you go down the list, 
where how did we lose? Now, conversely, they shot fifty six percent from the field and fifty two percent from three. Right, so that's where, that's where it comes in. The killer was our defense. We just could not stop them, and, and that's why we lost the game. Yeah, we couldn't stop them. It's funny because we, so we were, we went into DePaul at half up nine. We and as you said, maybe we, you know, maybe that's not the best thing. We're up at right. up at nine against Marquette. Yeah, very true, happy true. about that. And then yeah, we really. just forgot how to play basketball. Well, we didn't forget how to play basketball. We just. Yeah, we basically kinda. stopped playing basketball. Soriano only played seven minutes, which I thought was interesting. Um, towards the now, end, he was in foul trouble, right? He was, he in, he foul was in foul trouble. Which it, now Rick Pitino had come out. He didn't start the second half, right? Yeah, seemingly that's weird. he got a technical foul in the first half, which was he, not a great, got, well, not a good technical foul. Terrible technical foul. We'll talk about that in one minute. He was in foul trouble, and because he was in foul trouble, Rick Pitino said that's why he didn't start the second half. I don't know if that's really true. Yeah, uh, I, I think the technical foul has something to do with it. Uh, but Soriano is phenomenal, and we all love Joel Soriano. Except, and I've beaten this drum a few times this year. I think Dennis Jenkins is our best player, and I think our problem is we consistently try to make things happen for Joel Soriano when, in fact, we should try to make things happen for Dennis Jenkins. I definitely see what you're saying. You definitely, there's definitely an argument there, and I don't know exactly where I fall on that. But I will say this: Soriano definitely draws a lot of attention on defense too, which allows Jenkins certainly does. to work certainly a little does. bit more on the offense. So he, I would agree that right now, especially over the last four or five games, uh, Jenkins has been our best player, our most influential player each each of the last four or five games. I would say almost without a doubt. Um, but Soriano was getting double teamed in this game. He was getting double teamed in, I, I mean, the Paul game, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> no, but again, UConn. Against UConn, too. Xavier, and Xavier before. And, you know what I mean? Like, so Jenkins was able to get uh, more open space, more opportunity because they were doubling Soriano. So, yeah, that, that that's fair. I mean, those are both fair, you know, fair points. I just, you know, I, I think. And it's not like we completely run the offense through Soriano. We do at some points, and we don't at some points, and that's fine. I'm not saying we need to, you know, wholly hand the ball over to Dennis Jenkins. I just think in big moments, we tend to defer to Soriano, or we tend to defer to letting Jenkins set it up, when in retrospect, we should be putting the ball in Jenkins' hands to score the point, right, to make the play. Uh, mm, I don't know. know. So I, I like I like him with the ball. I, I kind of like him with the ball in his hands at the end. I kind of like his decision making. No, now. I, I do too. But, but I, do I like it shoot. with the idea. Of, yes, that's my thing. I like it with the idea of him going to shoot. Yeah. Uh, when most of the time we put the ball in his hands to make a play for somebody else to get the ball and shoot. I think that's kind of my criticism. But anyway, a little more into the numbers here. Yes, Soriano had a rough game. Two points, five rebounds. He got double teamed. He got into foul trouble. Uh, and I think the early foul trouble really got to him. One, one of four he, shooting. Terrible. I mean, just absolutely terrible. Kudos to Marquette is what it really says because they did a phenomenal job of double teaming him, and they did a phenomenal job of shutting him down, and we, we didn't have an answer. Yeah. We, had, we had four guys score double digits. It's not like we didn't play well on offense. Again, our problem really came on defense, and I do think part of that also – falls on Joel Soriano not being there, right? Yeah. Our defense does work way better when Joel Soriano is down low, and because he wasn't there, because he was in foul trouble, we found ourselves 
falling into our old St. John cues of wide open threes. Yeah. Wide open threes consistently for them, which they hit. When you when you shoot fifty two percent from three from three and you shoot twenty seven threes, most likely you're gonna win every game. Right? It's yeah. hard to overcome that. Uh, but the reason there you can shoot fifty two percent is because, you know, of the twenty seven they took, probably ten of them were wide open. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they know, were at home. They're at their home correct. field, right? So they practice no. there every day. Yeah. I it it was it was this loss falls on the defense, in my opinion. The offense did its job, right? 42% from the field, 37% from three. You know, like I said, four guys in double digits. We scored. We played offense. 75 points is, is, a, is you know, is good offense. Most of the time when we score 75 points, we win the game. 100%. The problem is our defense was absolutely garbage. Uh, Just non-existent. And particularly in the second half, non-existent. I, I agree. They they literally Kolick and Mitchell ran all over us. Did anything they wanted to us. Uh, Oso, Oso shout out Oso Igadaro. He was very uh, he he handled Soriano down low. He's much more he athletic, did. big. Uh, he's well, I think he's an inch shorter. Or he might I think so. He, he had a, you know nine 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 day right nine points nine rebounds. Yeah, not a double double, but very close. So he had a great day. And yeah, I mean Kolick just killed us. Twenty seven points, thirteen assists. I mean, it was a rough one and. It was a game, at least in my opinion, I walked into saying, I think we can get this one, particularly after we only lost to them by one point at home. Yeah. You know, this is this is a game where you go, this could be our statement win that everyone keeps saying we don't have, that we need so much. This could have been it at Marquette, number 17 in the country. Uh, instead, it goes the other way, and we're once again find ourselves looking for that signature win. And we're running out of opportunities, to be honest. We are running out of opportunities to get that real key signature win that is going to go on the resume. Uh, but we'll talk about that in one minute. Before we do that, let's talk about Spotlight Player of the Week. Uh, obviously, one up, one down game. Nick, since you're the only other person here, uh, who do you got for Spotlight Player of the Week? I like the Spotlight Player of the Week the last two weeks because I've, I've had a lot of influence. I've had the most influence out of everybody. <laughs> That's right. My vote has I mean, meant no, the if, most. You know, if this were an electoral college, you would be one of the small states getting way overrepresented yeah. because you were, you know, small sample size to vote against. As long as I just stay healthy and, and stay away from you guys. As long as I keep coming on the... Uh, <laughs> That's it. I'm going to be the most influential guy on this on this board. I think, I think Jenkins is the obvious answer, but I'm not going to give it to Jenkins. I'm going to okay. give it to Aline because Aline, wow. All right. I feel like Aline in the last two games has shown that he could be the shooter that, that we've been looking for. I, I know I harp on this. I say this almost every single podcast that we've been <laughs> looking for, but Aline is, I mean, he's a spot up shooter, right? He was supposed to be a spot up shooter. He, he shot 50% in the DePaul game. He went one for five or three. So they're not, not great. But in Marquette, he went four for seven from three. And he shot a little under 50%. He shot four for nine overall. But he was one of the reasons why we were in the game. He had 21 minutes off the bench, 12 points. It'd be great if we can get him more involved in the offense, get a little bit deeper. I do agree getting him involved is key, although I disagree. Spotlight player of the week. I think you got to give it to Dennis Jenkins. Uh, 22 points against Marquette. He was one of the guys who really stepped out. And, you know, he, he played an extremely good game against Marquette when we needed him to. Uh, and he also had 14 points against DePaul. Now I know it's DePaul, but you still get points because it's a full week, uh, which means we're split here. Double spotlight player of the week. 
Do we both? Do we go with no spotlight player, or do we give them each a, each a half spotlight player? I think we have to give them each a half. I think they get a half. We were talking about last week. We could get like like feed all the stats and all of our votes in the chat GBT and then have them vote. But wow. luckily, we both voted for Jenkins last oh. week. All right. Do we think we need to use ChatGBT now? Then, what was your? Did you just determine that that was going to be necessary last week? We were more joking about it and hoping it didn't have to come to it, and it didn't. But now we're here, so we could do whatever we want. All right. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we ask? Why don't we ask? I'll say who is the, what, what? What is the question that you I should ask ChatGBT? Who was the best player on St. John's last week? No, ask ask him who is the just ask who's. Who's the spotlight player of the week for St. John's in the last two games? <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's, let's see. see what it comes who, who is the spotlight player of the week for St. John's basket, men's basketball uh, this week, this past week? Let's see what say, they say. You can say over the let's see, let's see. games. Uh, oh, sorry. This is this was a mistake for us not understanding ChatGBT. <laughs> ChatGBT's last update was in January uh, of this is January of 22. I don't know if that's correct, but anyway, uh, this is not, so they, they do not have real time data, uh, data, I shouldn't say, uh, I'm not going to pay for the updated one. So we will not get an answer from chat GBT because they don't have real time data. So, which means they cannot answer. So unfortunately we're left to our own. I think we give them each a half and we move on. So Aline Jenkins, half spotlight players of the week. So shout out to them. All right, now let's look at the big picture here as to where St. John's basketball sits. Like I said, uh, fourteen and ten on the year after the Marquette loss, six and seven in conference. Not exactly where we were hoping to be. However, fortunately, we do find ourselves not in a terrible spot. We're in seventh place right now, which I know sounds terrible. However, uh, Butler and Xavier are the two teams ahead of us. Uh, they're both seven and six, so one game better than us. And Seton Hall and Creighton are eight and five, so only two games better than us. Plus, we both play Creighton, Seton Hall, and Butler, so we still have a chance to directly impact our standing. Um, in terms of our net rankings, still very good in the net. I have to say, our net ranking has really been boosted by our non-conference um, and the fact that we continue to play in the Big East, which of course is a spectacular league. And this year. That may be even more emphasized, I have to say. I think there's a chance we get eight teams in the tournament. Yeah. But our net ranking is 46 coming into the week. Still top 50. Um, and, you know. Haven't had a bad that, loss. Just in a lot of places, haven't had that bad loss. That's the thing. And it, and it still keeps us in the conversation uh, of the tournament. I know a lot of places, Joe Lenardi has us as the first team out. Back uh, Matrix, which is what Craig likes to use, has us as 12 seed. So. I don't know. It's pretty good. I guess we'll actually, I think, actually, I'm sorry. My, my mistake. This is me not knowing how to use Bratcher Matrix. It uh, looks like our average is an 11, an 11 seed. So still in the tournament. Um, and certainly still going to be on the bubble the whole rest of the year. Now, that's why I think this coming week is extremely important for us, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. But this is a team where we have consistently been thought of in the tournament conversation. Uh, and obviously nothing this week changed that. You lose to the number seven team in the country at their own building, that's not really going to hurt you too much. And you win the game you're supposed to win in DePaul, and you find yourselves, you know, kind of right back where you started at the end of, at the beginning of the week. Yeah. I, I do think that key signature win is starting to evade us, though. 
right? We've got really one more game, that home game against Creighton uh, at the end of the month. Besides that, I don't really see another statement win possible, with the exception of games in the tournament, right? Those will be, hopefully, uh, we play ourselves into an opportunity to get a statement win there. Uh, but besides that, you're looking two two Georgetown games at a DePaul game. None of those are statement wins. At Butler, it's going to be a very important game, but I don't know if that's a statement win. And then, obviously, this week at Providence and home versus Seton Hall, maybe you can make the argument that Seton Hall would be a statement win. They are currently, you know, the surprise of the Big East, I would say. They're in fourth place, 8-5, and 15-9 and nine on the year. I don't know if that's a statement win, though. Uh, I, I would argue that it, it, it could be a statement. I mean, you, listen, you're beating somebody that's top five in the Big East. That's as much of a statement win as we can, I mean, outside of uh, Creighton. That's as much as we're going to get a statement win down the line. The, the problem is they're only, they're 76 in the net. So, like, they're not, yeah. right? Like, Butler, Butler's 50 in the net. So, it'll matter more I, for the I, East I, tournament than will for the, at the NCAA tournament. I agree with so that. that. I agree with that. Sure. More, Again, I think it's an important game. It, it, I agree with you. I think both of these games are must-wins, and, and we, we're going to get into that when we talk about them. But in terms of that statement win, I think Creighton's the only one left. So, yeah. But obviously then we get to the Big East tournament, and you, you hopefully get another chance at teams like UConn or Creighton or Marquette again, and then you get an opportunity at another statement win in a you know not not on the schedule. I, so. it's, I do think – I don't think uh, Butler is a, a signature win, but I do think it's a very important win. It's actually very similar to Seton Hall. They're one game uh, back from them in the Big East, and they're 50 in the net, so they're they're very similar to Seton Hall. But that's an important game because if we lose that game, if we lose to either Butler, Seton Hall, or Providence, everybody's going to be looking at us like, okay, we were expecting them to get a win here. They didn't get it. They're, they're not as good as we think they are. Blah, 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 blah. That's what I'm worried about, at least. Well, I, I that that leads it. That's a good segue into this week because I I do think this week uh, is very much a make or break week for us. I think it's a change the narrative kind of week for us. Yeah, and I think it's a week where we have to come away with two wins. Have to. So we'll we'll get our first chance on Tuesday, seven p.m. against the Providence Friars in Providence game on CBS Sports Network. Obviously, we already have one win against the Friars, 75-73, a very scary game at home, uh, but a victory nonetheless. So this is, again, like we just said, I, in my opinion, this is a must-win game. This is a game where we beat them once already. Uh, if we want, First of all, for seeding in terms of the Big East tournament, it's important, uh, but also in terms of changing the narrative. I think right now everybody's down on St. John's, and I can see why, right? We had a three-game losing streak in, in a, a – you know, at Creighton, at Seton Hall, and then against Marquette. Uh, then we beat Villanova, but then we lost to Xavier and UConn, and we lost to Marquette again. So we've only won two of the last eight games, right? So I can see why people are down on us. I think that's completely fair. Um, however, I do think that if you look at that stretch, you know, that's that's an extraordinarily tough stretch of our schedule. Yeah. Uh, the toughest stretch of our schedule. It just happened to be a month. We now, I'm, I'm not giving us a pass. I'm just saying we can make up some work and it starts right here on Tuesday against the Friars. So looking back at that previous game, what we did well, what we didn't do well, uh, we shot well, we shot 48% in that last matchup. We also shot 38% from three. I think duplicating those numbers, by the way, similar to that Marquette game, we just played 75 points. We can do, if we duplicate what we did against Marquette against Providence, I think we come away with the win, uh, which is basically what we did against them last time as well. 75 points. Uh, 
That's it. That's all we Marquette, need. you know, Marquette obviously is a different monster, different team. Joel Soriano, very important in the Providence game. The first time, seven rebounds, 16 points for him, eight of 11 from the free throw line. We're going to need a day from Joel Soriano. Uh, obviously, no Hopkins for Providence since he's out all year, uh, so not as big down low. However, you know, they still have a presence down there. Oduro is their guy down low that Soriano's going to have to deal with. Uh, nine rebounds from him last game. So, you know, that's – we got him into tre- foul trouble, which is what helped us. But I do think that we're going to need Soriano to get back. I also think just for Soriano's sake, we need him to get back in the game, uh, get a nice positive, you know, push here and really start to head down the end of this season with this victory. Nick, what do you think we need to do here to make sure that – we go into this hostile territory and come out with a victory. So I think we're going to have to spread the ball around. I think that's going to be a key to our success because, especially if I just was just talking about it before, if we can get Aline involved, if we can get, I mean, even Conway looked okay in the, the ball game. If we can get somebody involved that's not usually involved and get, get some other guys a little run, I think it'll benefit everybody else. It'll, you uh, Providence is very guard heavy now. I mean, they have it. Yeah, they are. for sure. Uh, so we're going to be running a lot, right? So we, we're going to have to have fresh legs. The more fresh legs we have, the better. And if we can get into any kind of rhythm, that would be uh, that'd be better, very beneficial. I, I thought that's our key. I would say. Right. I think if we if we control the pace of the game, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, if we're able to, to to dominate how the game is played, uh, which is you know, obviously, like you said, an- not anti-guard. We're not anti-guard, but I would say that we're not as guard-heavy uh, and we're not as guard-focused in that we're not going to – we don't try to run up and down the court on you like we have in the past, you know, two regimes here at St. John's. Uh, we like to take it slow. We play a half-court offense. So I think if we can do that against these guys, that's going to be something that's not going to be good for Kim English's team. Uh, and going to put us in a place where, you know, we, we've got ourselves a shot at winning this game. You know, on the road is tough, though. Every road game is, you know, you're you're facing off against people who don't like you. Uh, <laughs> and Providence, they do a good job at the dunk there, filling in the seats. And now, listen, there is going to be snow, so maybe that'll hinder them a bit. We can only hope. Uh, but I, it is going to be a certainly a very uh, – tough place to play we've got to overcome that and then we've got to overcome our own shakiness I do think the team's confidence has taken a hit recently and I think we need uh you know the DePaul game was nice but I think a win here could really get us back on track mentally uh to being you know in a place where this team is saying you know we actually are as good as we we've thought we are uh because I do think right now that that's that's not true that the team is certainly in a mental place that it's not great yeah I would agree with that especially if we could if we can get a win against Providence and Seton Hall and then roll that into, you know, a win against Georgetown and then, you know, Creighton's, if we can get a win, that'd be awesome. But if we, if we lose there, I don't think that's the worst, you know, for your mental wise, stability wise for your team, as you were saying, but then we follow it up with DePaul and Georgetown, another win. I think to your point, mentally, we could be very good going into the Big East tournament. Yeah, um, for sure. One thing I did want to talk about is I remember at the beginning of the season, we were talking about what are what's an important game to look at, to watch out for this season. And my pick was this game at Providence. Now I thought they were going to have Hopkins, but, uh, and be a better team, but there's still a very good team in there where you know, listen, we're tied with them in the big East. So this is going to be a very crucial game to us for big East tournament seating wise. I was looking at it the other day. If we could get up to the five spot, 
then we avoid Wednesday and we're already playing on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly, that's how the so, new system works. Yeah, so if we can get, you know, if we can beat Providence, who's a team that's tied with us, if we can beat Seton Hall, who's sitting at the four spot, and if we can beat Butler down the line, who's one game ahead, or who's one game back, so they're the five spot. One game ahead of us, yeah. One game ahead of us, one game behind Seton Hall, so they're, they're five spot. If we could beat all three of those teams, we're sitting in, in a pretty good spot for the Big East tournament, I would say. Yeah, no, I, I do think this is the first step towards that. I mean, you look at this last stretch of games, right, and, you know, We've got seven games left. We should win six of them. And if that's true, we're going into the Big East tournament with momentum, most likely in the five seed, probably could be higher, but probably around that four or five range. Uh, and But we're going in with a lot of confidence, and I think we're in a great spot. But it starts on Tuesday against Providence. Our other game this week is on Sunday. We play at home on Fox Sports 1 as well, 5 p.m., against the Seton Hall Pirates, the very surprising Seton Hall Pirates who are having a very good year. Uh, they find themselves fourth in the conference heading into this week, 8-5, and 15-9. And uh, but I did say their their net is pretty low, 76. They're much further behind us. That's because they haven't had a, didn't have a great non-conference schedule. We already lost to them once in what I'm sure most of you remember. It was an absolutely abysmal game. They went on a 28-0 run there between the end uh, to start the second half, uh, which is why we found ourselves with an 80 to 65 loss at the Prudential Center, which thank God this game is not there. Uh, we, we always play <laughs> so bad at the Prudential Center. We are. We, thank God it's out. Now we're playing at UBS Arena, though. We're not at home. Well, I shouldn't say we're not at home. We're not at Madison Square Garden or at Carneseca. We are at UBS Arena. Good. Make sure they can't make it all, or they can make it all the way out there, but it's going to be a trek to make it all the way out there. Good scheduling to move, make the New Jersey folk, uh, you know, struggle to get out there. Yeah. Unfortunately for us, as New Jersey folk, we'll take uh, it. it's a little a little harder ride for us, but we are going to go out there anyway. We, don't you worry. We, I did it for the DePaul game, so we're, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, no. I, I, we can get like, out there. We don't like those New Jersey people. Yeah, but put all the Seton Hall people on the train, make sure they get there an hour and a half late. Um, but anyway, let's talk a little bit about the Seton Hall Pirates. Now, last game, as I said, they went on a huge run to start the second half, and that's really what did us in. Uh, part of that goes towards defense. Now, they didn't play spectacularly well. They, they, we actually outshot them uh, from on the field. Uh, they didn't shoot 42% from three. Uh, and when teams shoot you know, above 40%, it is hard to beat them. Uh, they had five guys score double-digit points, including Alamir Dawes, go off for 21 points. Uh, Darren Dewusu certainly got his payback for not being on this team by giving 16 and 10. He really had a revenge game at home there. Uh, so those are two guys that we certainly are going to have to shut down. Now, you also can't forget Kadari Richmond, his best player on the team. You know He's in talks of being the Big East player of the year. Uh, he, he played well against us, 12 points and 9. He wasn't the most dominant player, though. So they're a team that can come at you from different ways. Uh, they got Betty Ako down low. He held Joe Serrano six points last time. You know, he's their center. I they, They've got guards. So, you know, we're looking at, we struggled against them last time. We've struggled against Seton Hall recently as a whole. We've got to figure out the recipe here to shutting down their guys uh, and not letting, you know, Dawes and Adewusu and Richmond all go off. Also off the bench, Hutchinson Everett. He was a big guy who also worked well against Joel Soriano for 14 points. So this is there's a reason we struggle with them, and there's a reason they're having a good year. Uh, and, Nick, what do you think we need to do here to make sure we turn around this result 
from what happened last time. I think the key to this one is making sure that only one player on their team go- goes off against us, really. And I know that, and I, I know that kind of sounds weird, but if we have only one of their guys get, score double yeah. digits and maybe get a double double, and everybody else have a bad night, I think we're going to be okay or lock everybody else down. Not necessarily no, that's have a, a bad that's night. A- that's a fair sentiment, though. I mean, I see what you're saying, right? We, we were Dawes and Adewusu and Richmond last time. All were able to go right, up yeah, against had, us. Yeah. And, and, and even Davis got 10 points. Yeah, they had five players that had double digits. And they had uh, one guy with 10 rebounds. They had Adewusu had 10 rebounds. Richmond had nine rebounds. Uh, Hutchins off the bench had seven. They had a, uh, Davis with six. Bediaka with five. We, they, they, they had great days to have a lot of good days if we can limit that to one heck maybe even two we'll, we'll have a lot better we'll, we'll be we'll win the game you're certainly right if we, yeah reducing reducing the number of guys that really played extremely well against us last time would be huge if we i mean if we could limit the guys who almost got double doubles to maybe two that would be cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very valid point. Uh, I do think we also need to limit fouls. They shot 32 free throws against us in the last game, uh, and they made 26 of them. So uh, that's, you know, 26 free points right there. So limiting fouls and limiting their guards, I agree with you there, Nick, and getting Joel Soriano going. Uh, I do think Joel Soriano going, a lot of that is going to come from the Providence game. You know, I think one feeds into the other. Of course. But I think if we can do that, We've got a recipe right there where we, at home, you know, in UBS Arena, can get a victory against the Pirates, which, you know, again, not a statement win because of their net ranking not being high. Right. However, important a, in, in the standings, it's an important game. And B, I do think the conference as a whole will look at us and go, okay, St. John seems to be getting right. They got a win against Providence and a win against Seton Hall in the same week. Two good wins. You know, they, they seem to have right, wrote the ship a bit if we, and are heading in the right direction. If we beat Providence, we're going into the Seton Hall game probably favored, in that, almost certainly favored in that game because we're home. But still, like, really like, oh, man, they should win that game, I would say. That's that's true, for sure. I, I agree with that. Um, I do also think Seton Hall kind of have gotten a bad rep this year, which is why they've, they've gotten, you know, they're the surprise team. Uh, so we shouldn't be overlooking them. But I do agree with you that if we beat Providence – uh, the confidence will be up, and I think people will say, yeah, this is a game St. John should be the favorite in. Uh, whether that means anything or whether that helps us, who knows? But we'll certainly find out. So it should be an interesting week. I do think this is a pivotal week for us. I think this is a make-it-or-break-it week. If we're going to be a tournament team, and we're going to be a tournament team who you know, is not a team fighting for a bubble spot, uh, it starts with this week. It starts with two wins. Uh, and if that's the case, next week we're going to have a very positive conversation about how now this team is going to be able to play more so for seeding, right? They're going to be able to get up to a seven uh, in the tournament. They're going to be up to, you know, be able to make a push uh, with, with some wins in the Big East tournament. Uh, with one loss, or dare I say two losses this week, uh, it's going to be a grim outlook. It's going to be a, well, where do we go from here? Uh, and I do think one loss keeps us on the bubble for the rest of the year. Two losses, we're going to need a Big East victory, Big East tournament victory, uh, if we're going to try to make the tournament. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. We have to at least make the championship game. Uh, I, you know, let's hope we don't have to have that conversation. If we, if we, let's, if hope, we, let's hope we. Alternatively, let's hope it never comes up. Alternatively, if we win both the games, and then we win out, a minus Creighton, 
I think we're almost certainly a lock to be in the tournament. We are a lock to be in the tournament. Oh, no, I, for sure. Then I think we're in the tournament. Right. So, you know, let's start here, get two wins, and, and see what happens. Uh, anyway, all right, well, that'll do it. For Nick, I'm Vincent. Go Johnnies. Keep chasing. Keep chasing.